Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. I am, of course, your host, Derek, and you are joining us for episode 77 today. And we are here to talk about Generation Zero. So we actually did a preview episode on this game before it released. It has officially released now. It released on March 26th. So it's been out for a couple of weeks. I've had a chance to play it a few times. I've streamed it for, um, I believe I streamed it for 12 hours now. So I've, I've gotten a little bit of streaming into it. And I've had some time to practice with the game a little bit. I'm definitely not a full-on expert at the game yet. But um, I have had enough practice with the game to at least, you know, get my feet wet with it. I have like, some initial ideas on how the game works. And I have done other research as well. So basically I have the time that I personally played. And then I've done research into, you know, the machines that you can fight, um, a little bit on the weapons, a little bit on the skill trees, things like that. So I have a good general idea to give you an intro to this game. And basically, I have enough knowledge to at least let you know what the game is about, what the basics are, and what you can do in the game, and all the aspects of the game that are important. So uh, you will at least get a good preview with this episode. I shouldn't say preview because the last episode that we talked about on this was preview. This is more of an episode that is a full breakdown of what Generation Zero is and a full intro of it. Because now I have more information than I did on the preview. But as always, we have a little bit of news at the top of the podcast. The next episode of the podcast is likely going to be on Saturday, April 27th on State of Decay 2. State of Decay 2 just announced a new World War II weapons pack that's coming. So I'm likely going to do an episode on those weapons and just kind of talk about those a little bit. That is the uh, likely scenario right now that could uh, be subject to change, but that's where I'm probably headed right now. Another option that could occur is I could do a sort of episode on Undead Trials 4, but Undead Trials 4 won't be officially over by then, so I'm kind of leaning towards the uh, World War II weapons. But both of those are options I'm thinking about. Our return to streaming is going to be on Tuesday, April 23rd, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is going to be on Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. So that's B-L-A-I-S-E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E, Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. And I'll likely be streaming some Undead Trials 4 action in State of Decay 2. So I'll probably be a uh, referee, and I'll you know do a stream of some refereeing for some games for Undead Trials 4. So that should be a lot of fun. And I'm likely going to have more streams throughout the week for Undead Trials 4. Um, my schedule for that will be coming to follow. So just make sure you stay tuned on Discord and I will announce that. And I, I do want to apologize too for my absence lately. I did have a family emergency occur last week. And basically I had to cancel all my streams for last week. So I was supposed to play Borderlands and I was supposed to play We Happy Few. So I want to let everyone know I do still plan to play those games that is still on the docket and I will be planning to play those games just I have to reschedule all that now. So just stay tuned and basically starting Tuesday, April 23rd, I'll be back in full force and I'll be getting uh, back to things as normal. So I will be uh, covering those games as soon as possible and I will, you know, be getting the ground running. So I apologize again that... I had a brief absence, but um, I had a vacation planned, and then a family emergency happened right before that vacation, so it just kind of sent things to the tailspin, because I was basically traveling 
like the entire week before that vacation and then my vacation hit so it, it was a huge mess and I basically still have not stopped traveling to this time. I mean, as I'm recording this right now, once I finish the episode, I'm literally driving four hours after the episode's done. So I'm driving another four hours after the episode's done recording. So uh, that's kind of what my week has been like uh, the past week. Basically, there hasn't been a single day that I haven't traveled somewhere. So that kind of gives you a picture. And uh, I'm very low on sleep, but I wanted to at least get um, an episode in here because I did feel bad that I didn't have any kind of uh, content for everyone for the week, so I wanted to at least get this episode in there so you guys had some content to listen to. But like I said, Tuesday, April 23rd, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, I will be returning to streaming, and it'll be some State of Decay action, probably going to be for Undead Trials 4, but I will let everyone know more about that in the future. Uh, so stay tuned for my Discord for the next uh, few days or so. You'll probably know by uh, Sunday or Monday, I'd say. And speaking of Undead Trials 4, registration ends today when you're hearing this. When you're hearing this, it's going to be April 20th, Saturday. And registration ends today. So make sure you check the show notes of this podcast. And there's going to be a link provided that you can actually register. So you're registering as Teams of 3 or as a solo player, and you'll be put into Teams of 3. So basically how it's going to work is the first three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, each member of the team will compete individually. So say myself. Bob and Jack are on a team. I will play on day one. Bob will play on day two. Jack will play on day three. And then on either day four or day five, we will all get back together as a team and play a team event. So essentially, you as a person, you're only playing twice in the entire event. So it's really easy in that sense. You only need to play twice in the whole event. Um, it's two hours for the solos. And then it's going to be a three-hour event for the team. So basically, you're only playing five hours throughout the entire event, and that's it. So it's really simple in that sense. And basically, what you're doing is, as a solo player, you're trying to earn points for your team in your team pool. So if I win my event, I would earn 100 points for my team. If I finish in last place for my event, like you're going to be competing against other teams. If I finish in last place, I would earn less points. And it would be harder for my team to win the overall trophy, basically. So you're basically just trying to, as a solo player, earn as many points as possible for your team. And the team with the most points at the end will be the winners. And then the team event where you're competing together, you'll actually earn points as well. So you're going to earn more points as a team, but the solo events will still be important because if the whole team does well in the solo events, then your team could be out to a really good lead when you enter the team events. So... It's really important that, you know, everyone tries their best and tries to get as many points as possible. So most points will win and good luck to all the teams out there. But again, I want to stress that if you don't have a set team, just register solo and that's fine. We will find a team for you. We will pair you with a team that can fit your schedule. So just register as a solo player and we'll make it work. But make sure you actually put your down your availability because if you don't put down your availability, then I can't schedule anything because I don't know when you're available. So make sure you fill out your availability because we had a couple of people that didn't do that. So make sure you put your availability down or else I won't be able to schedule you. And unfortunately you won't be able to compete, but the competition starts on Tuesday, April 23rd and it will end Saturday, April 27th. But that being said, let's get into generation zero. So what is generation zero? Well, basically what it is, it's a game set in 1980 Sweden that is an open world game and it involves tactical co-op or single player action against a hostile PVE environment. And you and your friends are basically off, we're off on an island, you're on a getaway or a vacation, 
and you return to the mainland and you discover that everyone you knew is gone and there are machines there instead. So basically the question of the game is where did everyone go? Where are all the people? And what do the machines want? And these are kind of the mysteries you're trying to solve as you explore the world. So that's kind of what your character is trying to solve. And you as the player, as you play through the world, that's kind of what you're trying to solve as you pick up clues and everything. And you can play the single player again, or you can play it in four player, up to four player co-op. So that's the two ways you can play it. It's a PVE game. And basically what it says from the official website, I'll read this uh, statement real quick. It says, experience an explosive game of cat and mouse set in a huge open world. In this reimagining of 1980 Sweden, hostile machines have invaded the serene countryside and you need to fight back while unraveling the mystery of what is really going on. By utilizing battle-tested guerrilla tactics, you'll be able to lure, cripple, or destroy enemies in intense, creative, sandbox skirmishes. So, that's kind of the gist that I said before, but that is uh, the official developer's you know take on what the game is, or at least part of their take. So, essentially, you're using you know guerrilla tactics to take out these machines and figure out what happened and you know figure out the mysteries involved so as you explore this world you're going to find other locations that you can go to there's underground bunkers which usually have a lot of you know good enemies a lot of good loot there's churches there's bridges there's town areas but among these areas there's actually safe houses and basically the safe houses are locations that you can respawn to if you die so it's important to try to find as many safe houses as possible because the more safe houses that you find the more spots you have on the map to re to respond to. So like, for example, if you only found one safe house, then every time you die, you can only spawn in that one safe house. So it's very important to try and get as many safe houses active as possible. And sometimes to get a safe house active, you have to like flip a switch that, you know, turns on the power or it really depends on the safe house. Some safe houses, you have to search all the containers in that house in order to get it to be a safe house. So it really depends on the location, but Safe houses are really important, so try to get all the safe houses you can. And then throughout the, the world, there's going to be missions scattered. And often the missions that you have to do involve clearing out an area of enemies or searching through an area and claiming all the loot containers in that area. So, for example, you know, you might have a mission. Uh, oh, uh, you know, you're going to this church. You have to kill all the enemies at this church. Or, oh, you're going to this area. You have to search all the containers in this area. So... Those are sort of the main mission structures I've seen so far. There might be some more advanced or more unique missions later on in the game, but I have not gotten to a super late part of the game yet. Um, so in my playstyle, I haven't had like, you know, any super interesting missions yet, but there might be some more interesting ones involved. Um, I know some of the missions, what you have to do is you have to turn on the power for a bunker or you might have to, like, uh, look at a war room board for, like, their defense bunker and check out what it says. You might have to find a note and find out, oh, where do these people go? Let's find the note that says where they went. So it's a lot of missions like that. So there are some variances there where it is a little bit varied. But for the most part, it's take out enemies or search for some kind of clue. So basically, that's, that's mostly what the missions break down to from what I've seen so far. And again... I haven't, you know, gotten to the end game of this. I haven't, you know, played. It's not like I've played, you know, 200 hours of this game. I haven't checked every location on the map. So there could be some missions that I'm not uh, privy to yet that are very advanced missions. But so far, the initial missions that I've seen are basically search for X object, search for X note that tells you where to go, or destroy 
X amount of enemies. That's basically the, you know, gist of what the first initial missions are. But speaking of the enemies, there's six different types of enemies in the game right now, and they have said that they are going to include more enemies in the future, so there will be more enemies. But right now you have the Tick. The Tick is a small in size, but surprisingly agile. The Tick will launch itself at you if they get too close. They're often found in groups. These small machines will use their wicked sharp talons and self-destruct mode to severely hurt you if you aren't too careful. I have faced a few of these. I haven't faced them a ton. Uh, usually I find them more in underground bunkers, and they are pretty deadly in big packs because they all charge at you once, and they can, you know, hurt you pretty badly if they self-destruct on you. So you really have to try and use, um, preferably some kind of automatic weapon to take them out quickly. You can obviously take them out with other weapons too, but I mean, you shouldn't be using like a sniper rifle for them probably. You want to use a shotgun. A shotgun work pretty well with, you know, the buckshot. So things like that would take them out faster, but you definitely don't want to use something that's long range. You want to use something close range for these tick uh, enemies. Next, we have the Seeker. The Seeker is a seemingly harmless enemy at first glance. The Seeker acts as a scout, signaling your location to nearby allies who will come to its aid. Make sure you stay out of the sensor range or take it down quickly to avoid being overwhelmed by reinforcements. So basically the Seeker, it's a flying enemy that kind of alerts the other enemies to where you are. And it has like this loud horn that sounds and the horn basically tells all of the machines, Hey, come here. I found some guys to kill. Come here. And that's basically what the Seeker's job is. So it can't really hurt you, but it can alert other enemies. And that is very important to you. So you definitely want to take out the Seekers fast because if you don't take them out fast, then they can alert other enemies that are more deadly to your location and you can have a whole swarm on your hands. So definitely don't underestimate these guys because just because they can't kill you themselves, they can bring a lot of things to you that can kill you. So don't underestimate. Next is the Runners. The Runner is the most common enemy in Generation Zero. You're probably going to see these the most often. But that doesn't mean they can't be deadly. They uh, often travel in packs, and what it says here is quick on its feet and often moving in packs. The runner will work together with its allies to wear you down with automated weaponry. Don't let them get too close. They will knock you off your feet with a powerful charge, making it easier for others to kill you. And that powerful charge is no joke. I mean, I've been charged by them before and, you know, knocked off my feet, and they do a lot of damage with that charge. And it takes you a couple of seconds to get back to your feet. So by the time you're back to your feet, they, you know, a bunch of enemies surrounding you already. So it's no joke. You definitely want to try to avoid that charge as much as possible because that charge is like their main weapon. So avoid that charge and try to take them out before they get too close to you. But sometimes it's easier said than done. You know, they do travel in packs, so it is easier said than done to avoid the charge. Sometimes you just really can't avoid it in my experience. I mean... Again, I'm not a 100% expert at the game, so there's probably, you know, elite players at this game that know, like, all the perfect tactics to avoid the charge every time, but I haven't found out the perfect tactics yet. I do know some tactics are helpful, but from what I've seen, you're you're going to get charged at some point, probably. So just try as best as you can to avoid the charge. Try to take them down before that. The next enemy we have is called the Hunter. The hunter is intelligent, swift, and silent. The hunter attacks with lethal precision, showcasing a diverse range of tactics to take you down. Get too close and you risk getting a knife in the gut while at a distance you must constantly seek, cover, or end up riddled with bullets. And the hunters, they are pretty deadly. I haven't seen a lot of them, but they do usually guard um, 
bigger locations, I would say. Like, you know, uh, top-level bunkers or maybe like a big town area. So I haven't seen a ton of hunters, honestly, but the ones I have seen, they do seem deadly. Luckily, in my case, uh, the ones I've seen, I got the jump on them before they saw me, so I didn't take a lot of damage from them, but it does seem like they are well-equipped to do a lot of damage to you. So if you can get the jump on them before they see you, that's obviously the best way to take them down, and that's the best way to take down any enemy in this game, honestly, because if you can get the jump on any of your enemies in this game, then definitely take them down before they see you. That's the best way to take out anything. But if the hunter does see you, uh, you're probably in for a world of hurt. So just, you know, take cover somewhere, you know, try to use some tactics to help yourself out and, you know, survive. Now, the next enemy, I believe I've only seen three of these in the game so far. So I haven't seen a ton of these either. But this enemy is called the Harvester. A tempting target for an ambush, but not to be underestimated. The Harvester focuses its time and energy on gathering resources and feel from its surroundings. Oftentimes escorted by fellow machines, it will not shy away from defending itself if threatened, doing all it can to ensure it walks away unharmed and unscavenged. So yeah, the three that I've faced with the Harvester, honestly, it's not really that tough an enemy. I mean, I'd say the Harvester is probably the easiest enemy to take down from what I've seen. I mean, you can just distract it a little bit, you know, go behind it, take it out, and it's done. I mean, it says it fights back in the text here, but honestly, I haven't experienced it fighting back too much. So, you know, maybe I've just been lucky with how I've taken them down, because I did take down the ones I've seen with a friend. So I had one friend with me, and, you know, one friend was kind of distracting it. The other friend, you know, or myself, basically, I was behind it, taking it out. So... I didn't really see it do a lot to defend itself, but again, we had two people. So with two people, it is probably a little easier because you can have one person distracted. So maybe with one person, you know, maybe the Harvester is a lot harder with one person. From what I've seen so far, the Harvester is a fairly easy enemy to kill. And then, of course, the last enemy is called the Tank. The most heavily armored and armed of the machines, the Tank towers over houses and players alike, shaking the very ground with each step. Do not engage it without a strategy. Plan your encounter in advance and always be ready to run when the rockets start flying. And these tanks are no joke. They take a lot of firepower to take them out. They can dish out a lot of firepower to you. And uh, taking down a tank solo, I would imagine, is a huge chore. Luckily, I took down two tanks and I took them both down with a friend with me. So, you know, having both of us there, we kind of use the same tactics that we used the Harvester. One of us sort of distracted the tank, and then one of us kind of went around the back and tried to take it out. So if you have a friend with you, I think the tank can be taken down. It's still pretty tough, though, because it takes a lot of bullets, takes a lot of uh, coordinated effort to take it out, but it can be done. And I will say that the tank doesn't really seem to give you a lot back. For, for the amount of firepower you have to use to kill the tank, you really don't get much back for actually taking it out. So... I do hope that this changed in some ways because, for example, anyone that's listening right now that's a State of Decay fan as well, the play cards, they just changed the State of Decay Nightmare Mode where the play cards actually give you uh, top-level guns and, you know, items. I kind of hope that same thing happens with the tank in this game because in State of Decay 2, if you take down a play card in Nightmare Mode, you're going to get some good guns, you might get some, you know, meds, things like that. So basically, you're getting things back that you had to use all these resources to take out a play card. You're getting things back that will actually help you in the future. With the tanks in Generation Zero, I haven't really seen that as much. 
where if I use all these resources to take out a tank, I get like, you know, oh, you, you get, you know, maybe a, 10 bullets back or you get um, a machine capsule or you, know, you get like part of a machine or something like it really was almost nothing compared to what you had to use because I use a lot more than 10 bullets to take out the tank. So to me, the disparity there isn't that good because you basically get the same amount of bullets you get from a normal enemy with the tank and that doesn't seem right to me so i hope they change that in the future where the tank gives you a little bit more bullets back and we're going to get to the skills afterwards there are skills to give you more bullets back from enemies so maybe those skills in your skill tree actually change that but from not having the skill that does that yet uh you don't get much back from the tank but next we're going to talk about some weapons cosmetics and items that are in the game so your weapons range from sniper rifles pistols smgs and shotguns that i've seen so far I haven't seen any class besides these yet, but there could be a class that I haven't seen yet. You know, that's in later areas of the game, but those are the classes I've seen so far. I don't have a full list of weapons available, but there's no melee weapons in this game. So you can't, you know, punch a machine. You can't use a knife to try and, you know, uh, smash a knife into the machine's gears to take it out with a knife or something like that. There's no melee options. So it's fully guns and that's why ammo is super important and it seems to be a very finite resources and hard to come by a lot in this game, it seems like. So I've had a couple of scenarios in my streams where I was very low on ammo and it doesn't feel good at all because if you're very low on ammo, then you can't really defend yourself because there's there's no melee option at all. So without ammo, you can't defend yourself. So I mean, I do hope that uh, the team at Avalanche kind of changed the spawn rate of ammo a little bit because... I think it's a little bit lacking in my opinion. I mean, you know, if you, unless you have a friend with you, then you, I don't think you really have enough ammo to play solo. Um, again, I'm not a super expert. So, I mean, maybe there's some solo players out there that are having no problems at all. But I'm playing from the perspective of I don't have the skill yet that gives you more ammo. So I don't have that skill. I don't have the skill yet that gives you more ammo from dead enemies. So I don't have that skill yet. So... There's certain skills that will help with this, but I don't have those skills yet. So until you have those skills, I'm at a position where I'm going through a lot more ammo than I'm actually gaining. And especially like I talked about with the tank, I used so much ammo to take out a tank and so many resources, and I got almost nothing back from it. So to me, that doesn't feel satisfying as a player. And the act of taking out a tank was definitely satisfying, but the reward for taking out a tank was almost nothing. And basically, I just felt like I wasted too many resources. And it kind of felt like, well, I was better off never fighting the tank, just walking by him and, you know, going on to the next objective. So like, it felt like it was almost worse for me to actually fight the tank because I wasted a lot of resources and I didn't get anything back. So maybe that's the way you're supposed to play this. And maybe you're supposed to, you know, avoid more enemies than I'm avoiding. But I do like taking the enemies out. So... Maybe I'm just supposed to avoid more enemies than I am, you know, currently. But um, by my strategy of trying to kill as many enemies as I can, it is going through a lot of ammo. So, you know, that might be a point of feedback for Avalanche. You know, maybe I'm the only one feeling this way and that could be possible. But for my personal taste, there has been a lack of ammo in the game. And I do hope that more ammo comes in the future. And I will say, too, that some of this could be bug-related because I have had some ammo containers that I can't open because it just seems to be bugged. So maybe with uh, some more bug fixes, you know, that could be uh, resolved in the future. 
but there's also attachments you can get for your weapons, like weapon scythes, extended magazines that you can find for whatever weapon you're using. So you can get some attachments here, added to your weapons that do help as well. There's like um, ACOG scythes, there's extended mags, like I said, there's, um, I think it's called a lighted sight, something like that. So there's like attachments to your binoculars too. So you can get different attachments that actually help you out. So definitely search for those and basically all the stuff I'm talking about, you can find all this stuff in loot containers of any type. So you can find them in cars, you can find them in houses, uh, the ammo boxes, uh, dead bodies that you find. So basically anything that you find, you can find all this types of stuff. It's just, you know, kind of a crapshoot, whatever you get. Then there's items like road flares, boom boxes, and fireworks that can be used as distract distraction items for enemies. And basically these are used for tactical advantages. So essentially you use a boom box, you use a rope flare, things like that to distract your enemies. And that's a tactical advantage for you where you can use that to take your enemies out. There's other things like fuel, uh, I think it's called a fuel canister or fuel tank. I forget what it's officially called, but there's those. And there's also EMPs that you can use that come from dead enemies, for example. And these can be used as a, like a trap for the enemies. So what you do is, and if enemies are, you know, you see enemies in a pack, you can kind of set down a trap and lead them to that trap and blow up a field tank or blow up an EMP to kill the enemies. So there are tactical advantages like that where you can actually use things as a trap to explode. You obviously have to shoot it still, but it can be used as a trap like that. So there's tactical advantages like that. There's the distraction items like the road flares, boom boxes. The fireworks kind of scramble their sensors, so that can be used to your advantage as well. So basically, you know, the gist is there's a lot of tactical advantages you can use from these items to get the upper hand of your enemies. And I definitely haven't um, figured that out a ton yet. I've used, you know, some of this to my advantage, but I'm not like a full-on expert at it. Okay, you know, there's a pack of three enemies. Let's put that a fuel can. Let's uh, draw them this way. Let's blow it up. I don't have it all the way down pat yet, but I have, you know, gained some experience with how to use these properly. But another item that's actually really important is called an adrenaline shot. And an adrenaline shot, basically what it does, is it revives you when you're dead. And it gives you 20 health instead of forcing you to respawn a safe house. So basically when you lose all your health, you die. But if you have an adrenaline shot in your backpack, you can use an adrenaline shot and you can instantly get back up and you get back up with 20 health. So you don't get a lot of health back, but it'll instantly get you back up with 20 health and then you can keep fighting. Now, if you don't have any adrenaline shots at all, then you have to either have a teammate revive you, or if you're playing solo, then unfortunately, you would go back to a safe house. So sometimes that means, you know, if you don't have a safe house nearby, you sometimes spawn a safe house as far away from where you were, and you have to run all the way back to the location you're at. So it can be frustrating, and that's why I would suggest definitely trying to get as many adrenaline shots as you can. Never uh, drop adrenaline shots. Always take as many as possible because it's always useful to have as many as you can. I think in my bag I had like 30 or 40 of them and it's definitely useful because you get in a really big firefight that you might go down like, you know, three or four times. And if you have adrenaline shots, then you just keep getting right back up. So it definitely helps. So adrenaline shots are very key and I would try to get as many as you can. Now, there's also cosmetics in this game that you can change your cosmetics for your character. And these are found in loot boxes just like any other item. But some of these cosmetics actually come with uh, status effects as well. So it comes with a plus sign, which means it has an added ability to that clothing item. So, for example, you could have 25% bullet resistance, which obviously gives you 
bullet resistance against the enemies. But there's other uh, things like, um, I think there's one that has like movement speed, possibly. I think I've seen some that have uh, blast resistance, you know, if there's explosions. So you can get different clothing items and you can stack them together if you want. So if you wanted to go for, you know, all blast resistance, you could try and find boots that have blast resistance. You could try to find pants that have blast resistance. You could try to find a shirt that has blast resistance. So you could find these different items that kind of work well together. Or if you wanted to, you can kind of go all over the board. You could have, you know, my hat does this, my shirt does this, and my pants do this. So you can have different items on you that work well together, or you could go all over the board and have a little bit of coverage for each area. So that's really cool, though, and I do like the aspect of the game where the cosmetics actually can give you some positive effects. And these uh, positive effect items that have the plus sign, they're found just like any other item. You just have to get lucky and find the ones that have the status effect versus the ones that don't. I do wish uh, in the future for the game, though, if you have a status effect you like on a clothing item, and you like the clothing, like you like the cosmetic better for an item that doesn't, I wish you could actually switch that status effect to a different clothing item. So like, for example, say I had a blue jacket that had uh, 25% bullet resistance, but I had a red jacket I really love, and I love this red jacket, I love the way it looks, and I really want to wear that red jacket in my character, but obviously that doesn't have the status effect, so I'm probably going to choose the blue jacket, and I'm going to be a little bit less happy with how my character looks because I want the status effect. So I wish there was a way you could actually switch the status effect from the clothing item you don't want to use to the one you do want to use. Because if you really like that red jacket, for example, you probably want to wear that red jacket, but you're kind of conflicted because, well, this red jacket doesn't have the status effect I want. So I wish there's a way to, you know, kind of get the best of both worlds and have the clothing item that you want for the look that you want for your character, but also have the status effect too. And I understand there's probably, you know, issues with that. I mean, it could make things unbalanced. It could be hard to do from the developer's perspective. But um, that's just, you know, one perspective I'm going to throw out there that it might be hard to implement. And maybe there's reasons for balance reasons they can't do it. But it's an idea I have that I think would make it more fun for players. Because if there's cosmetics in a game, you want to look the way you want to look. And it, it kind of, you know, takes away some of the fun for the player in my my view that if you have a look that you want and it doesn't have the status effect you want so basically you have to give up that positive status effect just to have the look you want and as a player that doesn't always feel good so i think there's some work that avalanche could do to fix that system a little bit that way it has a better feel for the player overall but like i said all these items are found in cars ammo boxes and generally scattered throughout houses and other areas and then the last section we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the skill trees. So Generation Zero has implemented a skill tree system. As you level up, you receive skill points, which you can use to upgrade your character stats. And there's four different pathways or skill trees. There's combat, support, survival, and technology. And you get 30 skill points to distribute as you earn them, and there's no way to re-specialize as of now. So basically, you get 30 skill points. You have to pick how you want to use them. But once you use it, you can't re-specialize. So... It's very important to use them wisely and kind of plan out what you want to do before you do it. Because if you accidentally use a skill point, then you can't re-specialize that skill point. And maybe in the future this will change, but as of this podcast, this is how it is as of this podcast. But just some notable skills from those uh, skill trees. Carry capacity will double your backpack size at level 2. Salvage is one that I really want that I don't have yet, but salvage will help you find more ammo. 
And I definitely need more ammo, so I definitely want that one. Mechanic can help you recover damaged components from enemies. And that's what I really want too, because um, basically if you... Essentially, if you kill an enemy a certain way, you can actually preserve the enemy and you can get more out of that enemy if it's preserved. But if you put too many bullets into the enemy and damage it, then basically what happens is you get less out of the enemy. But a skill like mechanic, you can actually get more out of an enemy even if you damage it. And I'm not the best at not damaging enemies because there's certain parts of the enemy you can shoot that will damage it less. And I'm not the best at like having the pinpoint accuracy to actually do that yet. So... For me, I basically just try to shoot the enemy and try to kill it. So I have to get better with my accuracy and I have to get better at shooting the right parts of the enemy. Because if I shoot the right parts of the enemy, I'm going to use less bullets. So that is something I have to get better with. But um, I, a skill like mechanic will help me for now because that will make it so any enemies I do damage, I can at least get something more out of them. And they also have a couple of classic ones that help out. Like run speed helps you run faster and then health amount will increase your health amount. So. Those are really classic ones that, you know, a lot of games have something like that, but they're obviously very helpful. So those are just a couple of, you know, notable skills that I've come across. And there's plenty more as well. But, um, you know, the combat tree, obviously, it's focused on having better combat skills like, you know, gun sway, aim speed, things like that. The support, that's focused more on multiplayer and, you know, supporting as a group. So that helps with that. Survival has more survival skills like your carry capacity, for example. And then technology has more technology-based skills, kind of like your mechanic or uh, a skill called engineer, which helps you um, get things from an enemy called the tick. So the tick enemy, the engineer skill helps you get things from undamaged ticks. So yeah, there's basically those four different pathways and trees. And then from those trees, you can actually specialize in a certain area. And specializing in a certain area will get you a different bonus. So... There's different ways to actually plan this out and have a character the way you want to design them. Uh, I tried to find all the information in all these skill trees, but unfortunately it's uh, difficult to find all the information in one area for this right now. And I haven't gotten all the way up the trees yet, so I can't give you like the full stats of everything. But hopefully if we do a future podcast coming back to this, I can do a podcast just in the skill trees and I can talk about the skill trees in depth. But... Um, as of right now, this is most of the information I have on that. There is some information I can find, like the full combat skill tree, for example, but I couldn't find the full tree for support, survival, and technology, and I didn't want to give you guys information that wasn't correct, and I didn't want to give information that wasn't complete. So I thought the best way to do this right now is to just tell you what the skill trees are and some of the best, um, options in those skill trees that I've seen so far, but... There definitely are a lot of options that you can go with, so use your 30 skill points wisely and make the best of your character. And basically, these 30 skill points, by the way, you have to earn these skill points, so you earn them by killing more enemies, completing more missions, things like that. So that's how you would earn skill points. That's that's pretty much the gist of the game. You know, you, anyone that's familiar with the podcast, you know how we do uh, in new games now. We basically do an intro episode. This is like your intro episode where we go over all the basics of the game all the general info of the game and kind of give you a good preview of what the game really is and then if i did a future episode in generation zero which uh as of right now i probably will do at least one more i think at some point so a future episode would include like maybe a skill trees episode where i talk about just the skill trees of generation zero that could be a future episode for example or maybe a future episode could be 
ranking the enemies, you know, which enemy is the most annoying and which enemy, you know, gives you the most trouble. That could be a future episode. So there's other topics in here that I could get into, but I wanted to give a basic overview of the game because there's probably a lot of people listening that, you know, might not know everything about the game and this might give them a better picture of what the game is and a better picture of what you can do in the game. And that's kind of the purpose of this. So um, some overall thoughts on the game. I, I do like the game a lot. My problems with the game so far were mainly focused on the ammo. I think the ammo is a little bit too scarce in this game. And maybe that's just me. You know, maybe that's the way I'm playing. Maybe I'm putting too many bullets in the enemies and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, you know, pinpoint my accuracy a little bit better. And maybe if I did that, I would have a little bit more ammo. But even so, I do find the ammo to be a little bit scarce. I have found that it is better in co-op. I play both co-op and solo. I have enjoyed co-op a lot more. Solo, I was getting bored after about three hours, I'd say. So for me, this isn't a game I'd really want to play solo a lot because after about three hours, I kind of was like, all right, you know, I, I, I get the gist and it's not really that fun, you know, solo after like three hours. But co-op, I could see a extended session of this, you know, being very fun because you're having a lot of fun with friends. And I think this game is best with friends. So I would suggest playing this game with friends. You know, getting a team together, you know, whether it's two people, whether it's three or four, getting, you know, at least one friend together and having some fun with this game because taking down enemies together can be a lot of fun and you can use different tactics that way. If you're solo, you don't have as many tactics that you're supposed to be. You're, you're limited in your tactics because you only have the items available to you and your intellect. You know, in co-op, you have your intellect, you have the items, and you have the other person and their intellect too. So you basically have two inventories and two brains to work off of so you know co-op is a lot more fun to me and it's a lot more back and forth with your compadres there and you kind of work together so and even if you don't have friends you can match make with uh random people as well so um i haven't tried the random matchmaking yet but you know i'm sure it's just like any other random matchmaking sometimes you get great teammates sometimes you get bad teammates that's usually how random matchmaking works you know it's kind of a crapshoot where sometimes you get great people and sometimes you get, oh, this guy's going off on his own. He's doing his own thing. So it really depends. But, you know, definitely try it out if you don't have any friends that have this game. I don't have a lot of friends that have this game. I have like, you know, maybe I'd say less than five friends I know have this game. So I don't have a ton of friends with this game. But um the friends that I do have that have this game, I'm going to try and play with them more and, you know, get back into this game. So. The game itself is very fun. Uh, the open world is really breathtaking. The graphics in this game are really awesome, and I love the environment. You know, the environment looks so cool in this game, and I really love the environment. So that is a huge plus. The gunplay and the combat feels great to me. I do think that they should have a melee option. I do understand that, you know, it seems unusual for a person to just go up and punch a machine because obviously... You know, a fist against metal isn't really going to work out too well. I do get that. But I think they could incorporate melee somehow. I think what they could do is have maybe a sword or maybe a knife that can actually, you know, damage the machines. And I think that's a way they could actually incorporate some melee because it does feel kind of crappy that you only can use ammo and that's it. And that's your only way of taking out the machines or like, you know, fuel canisters, things like that. But. I think there needs to be a melee portion of this game. And I definitely understand why you can't just use your fist because obviously fists aren't going to take out metal machines. They would just shoot you in the head and you're, you're gone. But I think that if you surprise a machine or it's up close with you, 
you should be able to take out like a sword or, you know, take out like an axe or something like that and kind of hack away at it. And I think that it should take a lot more damage to take out a machine with melee. But I think the option should be there that you can at least use melee to take out some machines because say you put like, you know, a couple clips in the machine with your gun. Maybe you can finish it off with your axe. Like maybe, maybe one of the runners charges at you and you're like, oh shoot, it knocked me down. Maybe you get back up and you take a couple swings with your axe and take it out. So I think that should be an option at least just in case because if you run out of ammo, then it's a really bad feeling and I think you should have other options to you. So that's another comment I make for uh, possible improvements. And like I said earlier, I think another comment I would make for improvement is basically the cosmetics. I love the cosmetics. They look really cool. And I love the fact that you have the status effects on the cosmetics. But I wish you could switch the cosmetic status effects from one cosmetic to another one. So like my example I gave earlier with, you know, I really like the red jacket, but the blue jacket has the the status effect I want. I wish you could take that status effect off the blue jacket and put it on the red jacket. And I think that's probably not something we're going to see because that's probably something that's difficult for them to implement systems wise. But I just wanted to throw it out there that, you know, hey, maybe it's an option. So if it is an option, I think it'd be really cool because the cosmetics are great in this game. And it feels like a waste to me that you have all these great cosmetics that players aren't going to use because they don't have the effects they want. So players are going to settle for the status effects over the cosmetics, I think. And to me, that's unfortunate because there's going to be a lot of great cosmetics that look really cool that won't get used. So I do hope that in the future, there's a way to still make use of those cosmetics that don't have the status effects that you can maybe switch some cosmetic status effects over or who knows what, but it feels kind of crummy that there's going to be all these great cosmetics that someone worked really hard on that may not be used because they don't have an effect on it. So I hope that, you know, those cosmetics aren't wasted as much. But that being said, um, that's basically Generation Zero for you. So I hope everyone enjoyed this. And again, I'm sorry for the uh, absence in my stream uh, as of late. But I had a family emergency go on and uh, I'll be back to full force on Tuesday, April 23rd. So look out for my next stream, Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. That'll be 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. And I'll likely be streaming some Undead Trials 4 action in State of Decay 2. Anyone that's listening to this that doesn't know what Undead Trials is, it's basically a community event that is put together by myself and a couple other people on the staff. And essentially, these community events are for the State of Decay game, and we get the community together, and we compete against each other, and have a lot of fun, and usually get prizes as well. The next podcast I'll be doing is likely going to be next Saturday, April 27th, on State of Decay 2. And like I said at the top of the show, that's probably going to be on the new World War II guns in the game. It could be something about Undead Trials 4, but uh, I'll play it by year and see if any more news comes out, and I'll kind of work it by year, but that's kind of where my head's at so far. But Undead Trials 4 registration ends today, so make sure you get your registration in. Uh, today is April 20th when you're hearing this, so make sure you get your registration in and use the link provided in the show notes. So look in the show notes. It'll say Undead Trials 4 registration. Use that link and register. You can register either as a team of three or you can register as a solo player. And if you register as a solo player, I will put you into a team. I'm the one that does the scheduling. So what I'll do is... I'll take your availability and I'll match it with other people's availability and I will find you a team. So if you don't have a team, if you don't have any friends that you know you want to team up with, don't worry about it. Just sign up, but make sure you give your availability. That's the main thing. If you don't give your availability, then I can't schedule you because I don't know when you're available. So it's very clearly stated in there. 
you know, give your availability for each day specifically in Eastern time. So make sure you put that down because we have had some people that haven't put that down. And if you don't put your availability, then I don't know when to schedule you or what team to put you in. So unfortunately, if you don't put your availability, then you won't be able to participate. But as long as you put your availability down, you can sign up as a solo player or a team. And I will uh, do my best to find a team for you. But that should be a lot of fun. And if you did enjoy this content and you enjoy my streams, you enjoy my other content, I would definitely really appreciate anyone that joins my Patreon. What Patreon is, it's a way for people to support content creators for the content they're creating. So mine is patreon.com slash experience. And basically what I have there is if for as little as $1 a month, you can actually support the content I'm creating and you can help me get further towards my dream of actually being a content creator full-time. So there's a $1 tier, a $5, a $10, and a $15 a month tier. And through these tiers, you get uh, special rewards. So the higher the contribution, the higher the rewards you get, obviously. But there's rewards like special Discord roles. There's rewards like uh, priority to play with you on stream. There's rewards like a special monthly patron-only podcast, things like that. So. There's different rewards that you can get, and if you aren't able to support with Patreon, then don't worry about it. The podcast is always going to stay free. There's always going to be the free version of the podcast. Just there's basically this is a way to get some extra rewards and help support what I'm doing. So if you're able to support what I'm doing, I really appreciate it, and it really means a lot to me. But if you aren't able to support, then don't stress about it. I definitely understand. You know. The fact that you're listening right now is still enough support. So that's still a lot of support. And this is just a way for you to support monetarily and help me uh, further my dreams. So I really appreciate the support that anyone joins Patreon. But if you can't join, then I definitely understand. And you're still going to have your content come at you. So don't think you're going to lose any content. You're not losing any content. This is just a way for you to get extra content and help support what I'm doing. But again, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-l-a-i-s-e-x-p-e-r-i-e-n-c-e so patreon.com slash place experience is how you get to that but if you want to find the podcast you're obviously listening to it right now but some other ways you might not know about to find the podcast it's on stitcher it's on spotify it's on itunes google podcast radio public blueberry podbean and many other directories so Check out all those directories. If you honestly just Google search the Blaze Experience, it should pop up somewhere. So just uh, search for us on Google or use any of those apps. And if you don't like apps, you can actually join my Discord, which the Discord link will be in the show notes. And in my Discord, I have a direct link to every episode ever made. So if you don't like apps, you can directly download the episodes from my Discord. So that's a nice um, feature I'm putting out there just for anyone that doesn't like apps, because I know there are people out there that don't like to have a lot of apps on their phone, maybe. Maybe you don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so you don't want to have a podcast app on your phone. And I definitely understand that. That's definitely fine. So if you are that type of person, then just join my Discord, and you'll have a direct link to every episode in my Discord. But if you want to contact me, you can contact me via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. You can contact me via Twitter or Xbox. And for Twitter and Xbox, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be at blazeexperience. Capital B L A I S E Capital X P E R I E N C E. Like I said, you can contact me on Discord. I do have a YouTube, but I don't use it that often. So if you comment on YouTube, I will get back to you as soon as possible. But I probably check my YouTube comments um maybe once a week 
because the easiest way to get a hold of me is either on Twitter or Discord. So those are the two main ways. But um, if you do comment on YouTube, I would definitely appreciate it. I definitely will get back to you. Just my YouTube right now, I'm not doing a ton with it. Basically, my YouTube at the moment is literally just taking the episodes that I make and putting the episodes on YouTube. So that's all I'm doing with YouTube right now. Maybe in the future, I'll do more with YouTube and I'll kind of expand on that. But there's also a Facebook group as well, which again, the Facebook group I don't do a ton with right now either, but that is available to you as well. So right now, the main ways to get a hold of me, like I said, are Discord, Twitter, and also email as well. I check my email as well. So those are the three main ways, but I definitely appreciate everyone listening and I hope everyone's been well. I can't wait to get back to streaming on Tuesday. So I will see you all on Tuesday for some more streaming action and make sure to register for Undead Trials 4 if you're interested in that. So thank you as always for listening to The Blaze Experience. Uh-huh.